What's up? What's up, everybody? Happy snow. Yeah, it's, it's still snowing, right? I don't know. I ain't been out there nowhere near there. Yeah. Oh, I you were serious. You definitely. So you really haven't been out the house today. Okay. It's the only time that the world is not looking for me is when it's snowing. So I enjoy a great day off. So I know where to find you every time it snows. That's what's up. <laughs> What's up, everybody, man? You're tuned into another episode of Access Granted with your boy, Mr. Antoine. And Nina, the original party girl. And she says Nina, the original party girl, every time she says it. It's like you're listening to a recording, no matter when, where, or how you listen to it. Yeah, I got some drops out there, some voice recordings, <laughs> yeah. some voiceovers. I know that's right. So, yeah, you see the shirt I got on tonight, Nina. You see the shirt I got on tonight. Representing the greatest high school ever to touch concrete in Baltimore City, Walbrook High School. But mainly got it on tonight, man, to represent and to show some love to my man Frankie Duckett, who unfortunately was taken from us a few days ago. Another senseless act. <laughs> Another senseless act. Um, been seeing and hearing a lot of details and a lot of people asking why. Really doesn't matter why. At the end of the day, that's another good brother that's gone. I don't care if he fell down the steps and hit his head. I don't care if he was whatever. That's another good brother, a father, a grandfather, and a husband, and a brother who's no longer here. And Frankie was a good dude, man. Frankie was Frankie was one of those dudes that every time you saw him, he was he's kind of like you, Nina, just always happy. Like I ain't never seen ha uh Frankie not happy. You know what I'm saying? I don't think I've ever seen you not happy except for when the bartender's late to your event or something like that, and you're ready to punch somebody in the head. Right. Well, I'm just thoughtful then. I'm still solid. Right, and you're still moving and, and, and shaking and making it happen. So yeah, man. Rest in, to, uh, rest in peace to my man, Frankie Duckett. Um, unfortunately, I won't be able to make it, but there's going to be a candlelight visual uh, starting at 5 o'clock this Thursday at Walbrook High School. So if you're watching and you're able to make it out there, man, go out there and show some love and support. I'm quite sure Walbrook is going to show up big. Um, and of course, now with the COVID stuff going on, it's no telling how the, the home going celebration and everything is going to be. So you know, might not get to pay proper respect. So I, I wanted to make sure I pay some respects tonight and we'll see how the rest of it goes. But what's going on in your world, sis? Other than a day off. I want to say happy birthday to my bestie, Tanya Lee. Today is her birthday. Happy it's a lot birthday, of people's birthday. Turn ya, turn ya. <laughs> um, the snow. Snow is always reflective for me. I get very creative another way when it snows. Snow brings peace. And um, in that quiet, I'm able to create 
different things, poetry, mess with songs, you know, thoughtful things rather than with my hands. Gotcha. So I'm really excited. I called in today for work last Wednesday. So when they said it was going to snow, you I called in. <laughs> you had already don't, don't look. Right. Don't look. Don't look for me because I ain't coming. So and I'm looking at tomorrow's weather and it's not it's, looking all clear. Yeah, either, I mean, so. It's supposed to get to be like another five to six inches, if not more. No, overnight. it's not. So, yes, it is. Overnight. For real? Yeah. yeah. I'm about to call in yeah. from the show while I'm on the show. <laughs> What's the number? I can dial it up right here. <laughs> Antoine, Mr. Antoine, ain't that nine digits right there? What? Well, I already know I'm not going there. Yeah, and I wrote this list. I wish I could show y'all the list. It looks like Santa Claus list. Scroll. But of like everything, every January, I try to brainstorm with myself everything I can do for the year. Um, it's quiet time. It's like from what happened from last year to this year, what have I done? And then yeah. what do I want to do? So I yeah. made my list yesterday and now I'm just checking it off. Of course, it'll get added too, but I'm really excited about my list. Okay. You're going to check it twice? Some of them is checking twice because it's more parts to one, th like clean the bathroom, paint the bathroom, decorate the bathroom. Oh, you mean stuff like, okay, well, and you know what? And you probably will have the most eclectic bathroom in the history of eclecticism. You was the in the bathroom. <laughs> huh? It is. It is. You were in the bathroom. I was talking to you in the bathroom, not on the toilet. Gotcha. But I when was you in walked the in that other room. Okay. Uh -huh. okay. That's the bathroom. Yeah. So it's, I, thought, it's my I, thought that, I thought that you were going to do the show from that room, but you can't do the show from the bathroom because the echo would have. Yeah. Well, maybe the network is a little unstable. And then my toilet seat kind of slides a little bit. You ever had one of them? Hey, time, to, time to move on. <laughs> I mean, I fell in the tub trying to sit down on the toilet seat. So I was trying to keep it a clean virtual opportunity for us <laughs> and our friends. Be the fell I understand. Right I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, thank, thank you. And, and I'm sure the listeners thank you. As that's well. on my list too. Get a new toilet seat. New so that's toilet. one of the things. Okay. Oh, and today, you know what today is? February the first, the twenty-eighth. Mm -hmm. How many days in this month? Twenty-eight. Yep. The twenty-eight days allowed for us to uh, highlight our blackness. This is Black History Month. So I am really excited about getting all my blackness to fit in those twenty-eight days. How about you? I say we I say we take at least six months this year. I Four. say 365, 24-7, blackity, black, 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 on black. Pretty much. Pretty much. Well, I this mean, is just so they can see us, not so we can see us. And speaking of black history, we got to say rest in peace to Cicely Tyson, man. Yes, yes. We got to say rest in peace to Cicely Tyson. She man. did a lot. She did a whole lot. BT had a special about it. The woman who my wife is named after, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. How's your wife? No, nah, she's good. She's actually upstairs working. She's literally oh. working. She left work a little bit early because it had started snowing again. So now she's kind of making up for the work that she didn't do. And some people are really connected to their namesake. Does she have that connection? Like, does she feel like, oh, because she knows she was named after her? Negative, Honcho. <laughs> Negative. <laughs> she was like this. Oh, okay. <laughs> nah, man. But um, that that woman, man. Um, and it's crazy because I watched 
most of. I didn't see the whole thing, but the interview that she did literally just days before she passed with Gail King. And she was just so vibrant. And you know what I'm saying? So to, to hear the news a couple of days later, um, it was kind of it was kind of a shock. It was definitely kind of a shock. She's well, black, y'all. She's black, y'all. She's black and black. And she's black, y'all. And she's bigger than black, black, black. Look, I'm so black. I got pics laying all over my house. Oh, I want to make God. a line of pics. That is how black I am. <laughs> that is how black I am. Hey. So. Hey, you what? can sell. Hold on. You can sell at least 50 of them to brand new Cheers, cheers, cheers. Our sure. mayor, because the mayor be like, he does it. He picks it while he's on. No, I know he not while he's not. Not uh, while he's. Okay. No, no, he's he's not that. He's no. Nah, he's not going to do that. That would be me in office. I'm talking. I'm like, right. I think y'all need to get rid of all. Of, and you right. tell him, yeah, that would be me. <laughs> I got white hair on my pick. So you know, February the 14th is coming up. I just want to give out a a friendly reminder that is also a day that highlights the love that you have for one another. Um, I will actually be at a house event, a house event with all my house friends. Um, it's like a big Zoom call that we're trying to pull together so that I can have all the ones I love right there in my face and we can say hello. But um, oh, I know I'm getting the link. I know you sending me the link, then that's what's up. Um, I know you would know some of the songs, so yeah, I could send you the link. But you know, it's just a reminder. Some people need reminders. I'm not, believe it or not, the party girl is not holiday-ish. I do it commercial, commercially because I have to, but in right. real life, it's Christmas and Valentine's Day every day in exactly. my world. Exactly. So I just you know, want people to make sure you turn into the ones that you love, whether you have that, that day to do it or any day to do it. Now is the time to love freely. Uh, Carla Brown is in the building. Shout out to Carla. Coco B. Coco B. Welcome Shout home. Out. Shout out to my sis Val Jenkins. Hug don't shoot. Hey, Shout out to Kesha Pudding Gordon. I know she likes a shirt that I have on because she is a fellow Wallbrook warrior. I Shout can't say what I want to my... say because Val on here with the hug don't shoot. Say hey, something else about hey. Wallbrook. Yep. Hey, look, I would turn this into a Wallbrook show. <laughs> you know I will, what? I will get my band members on here and we will shut this down. All right, no. you bringing your football team up? No, because you didn't have one. Ooh. Oh, we did have a football team. What are you yeah. talking about? Y'all had a team, but y'all ain't have a team. What are you team? talking about? I don't know if this... we ever lost to Northwestern, to be honest. No, you, you what? And I know we used to smash y'all in basketball. Oh, and what no. you say about y'all band? What you say about y'all band? Oh, y'all didn't have one. <laughs> we did have one. I don't know what they did, but and we they, had one. I don't. I don't know about that. And they definitely wouldn't have been able to see us out there. So, you know what? I'm just glad we're all graduates of a school. We got some education, yeah. different colors and neighborhoods. But our generation grew up okay. You know, our generation so we grew did up something great. right. Our generation grew up great. I feel like the 80s and 90s was the best two decades of my life, honestly. Right. Imagine being in school right now. Ah. <laughs> Go to your room. Get in the kitchen. Turn on your laptop. So things I, have changed. I just imagine my mother trying to homeschool me. That that wouldn't no, that that wouldn't work. I, I probably would. Yeah, that, that wouldn't be a good idea. But anyway. 
Shout out to everybody that's checking in with us on Facebook Live. We truly appreciate it. Make sure you guys share the video. This is also me. this is also over on our YouTube Live channel as well. So if you you know want to jump off Facebook and get a little different perspective, it's still gonna look the same, but you'll be on a different site. <laughs> Pretty much. So in the building with us tonight, man, we got uh, the guy from Soundview. I just noticed that a little while ago. He's from Soundview. And if you don't know what the Soundview area of the Bronx is, what's wrong with you? You got to take it back to that. You got to take it back to that song. And if it wasn't for the Bronx, Uptown, baby. Uptown, baby. So is Soundview a place? Yes, Soundview is an area. I know that there are, and and we'll get him to clarify this when we bring him on. I I believe that there's a section of public housing called the Soundview Projects. So I'm not sure if Soundview is just the housing or Soundview is the area that's around the area. And we actually got a couple of New Yorkers on here that can probably verify for us. But without further ado, we're going to bring up our guest. And it's really... Triple OG, like we got a real triple OG in the building with us tonight. My man Don Figure, what's going on, brother? All right, brother. How you doing, my brother? You, you backed up too far, man. Why you go all the way back there? Yeah, my too far back. Yeah, man. Come on, come. Okay, I want y'all uh, breathing up on the phone. You know? ah, coming to the room a little bit more, hey. man. Coming to the room a little bit more. Hey. Come. <laughs> Phone lands and all that, you know. Yeah, nah, man. What's going on with you, bro? Yeah, everything's good, family, man. By the grace of God, you know, just trying to navigate through the madness, man, you know. Yeah. Now, um, like I said earlier before we came on, I'm glad to see that you're that you're doing better, man, because we had actually tried to put this together um, I believe back in December sometime. Right, right. You were going through some things and you said, you know, give you some time to get to get right. So I'm glad that, you know. Yeah, you know, the COVID thing got everything topsy-turvy. So, you know, sometimes it just gets a little hard. But, you know, again, by the grace of God, <laughs> you know, maybe to, to get up and get it running. So, yeah, if you if you have a chance, man, um, go to our YouTube page. We did our second show was actually called a COVID conversation. Right, right, right. right. Um. Some great information on there, man. Um, you know, a lot of stuff you may need, a lot of stuff you might not need at this point because you're on the, you know, thankfully on the other side. But definitely was a great show that you might want to share. And that was all Nina's idea, man. So, you know. So was I correct about Soundview? Yeah, actually you was. Uh, Soundview is made up of, it's a residential, but yeah, there are projects, Soundview projects, uh, the area that I come from is more up towards uh, with the residential area. The houses are over there. Uh, I live on 609 B Avenue. Uh, that was uh, where pretty much where I, I got my start and everything. On the, the names that I the names that I couldn't think about as my co-host just disappeared on us, the names that I couldn't think about when I was trying to think of the song was Lord Tariq and Peter Guns. Oh, right, right. They had the, they had the famous song back in the day, the, the, uh, the Uptown Anthem. Yeah, the Uptown Anthem. Uh, at that time, I wasn't living there then. Okay. I had moved up to Mount Vernon, New York. 
around 19. On the air in the mouth running. And then she's back just like she never left. Look at her. <laughs> <laughs> Nina, you got to warn us when you're going to disappear like that. I can still hear him, though. Okay. Yeah, you, you disappeared on us. You said you were you were at Mount Vernon in that time? Yeah, at that time I had moved to Mount Vernon and uh I pretty much lived there for a while. <clears throat> Crown Heights, Brooklyn for a while. Oh wow. So I, anytime I, I anytime I get a chance to talk to somebody from New York, man, I always, especially someone that's you know close to my generation, I always like to get the perspective of first and foremost the city, you know, or the borough, well, I'll say the borough since we're talking New York, and how it was when you were coming up. And then I want you to talk about how the hip-hop scene was right. um, in the area at the time that you were coming up. Okay. What would you like to know first? Just either or. You can start with how, how the city was, how the borough was. Uh, well, yeah, at the time, I, I, I was born in 1966, so at the time I was born, it was... A lot of Vietnam stuff jumping off, you know. Mm -hmm. Vietnam was still jumping off. Um, I was young, so I didn't really know a lot about that, you know. But by the time 69, 70 came, you know, I started co being more coherent about what was going on around me. Uh, you know, I grew up in with my mom, my aunt, my grandmother, grandfather, my two sisters and my cousin in the, in one house. So it was real family, family oriented, you know, back then, you know, everybody stuck together, you know, family was really the thing, you know, it was, it was, you did everything with family, you know what I'm saying? Like, God, I miss those days. Together, <laughs> we, we went to church, you know, I sang in the choir, you know what I mean? My we, man. Back then, my, <laughs> Moms was running everything, you know. Unfortunately, my biological wasn't there at the time, so moms, grandmoms was was the queens of the house, and grandpa, you know, grandpa wasn't no joke. You know that belt? He was nice with that belt, you know. <laughs> so, you know, uh, just growing up in the household with them, and, and just you know, every every cue and everything from them, you know. Uh, uh, in the early days. So I went to a church called Townview Presbyterian Church. And that was like the church that where I found God, you know, and all that stuff. And I, you know, I really grew up really in that church setting, you know, but that's where I discovered hip hop because uh, we had a youth group and the youth group, uh, we would be allowed to have events different times of the year. And the guys from the youth group, most of them were from Downview Project. So they had these guys, uh, DJ Warlock and Africa Kwame, that would come with the sound system. And, you know, in the church, we had this, like, big room that maybe about two, 300 people in there. And when we would do the youth group parties, that's what we were doing right there and there. And, you know, that's why I first saw like a DJ spinning records and, you know, like I was just awe in awe. Like, you know, I think, and I was about nine years old, you know, 
and I just wanted to be in it. It was just so exciting to me. You know, and they wasn't even really rapping yet. Like, they wasn't on the microphone yet. Mm. It was more just playing the music. You know, it wasn't even a lot of scratching yet. It was just seeing somebody on two turntables and a mixer doing this, you know, and I didn't know what they was doing, but it just, something hit me. And then as the years went by, you know, I started getting more and more aware, you know. So by the time 1977, 1978 came, now I'm like, you know, understanding it. And then also my, my sister, who's a year older than me, she went to school with a lot of people. Some of the people she went to school with was in a group called the Jazzy Five MC, the Jazzy Sensation back in the day. Mm. Uh, Master Ice, Sundance, Mr. Freeze, AJ Les, Master B, you know, and some of them went to our church too. And so I always followed around with my big sister because she was cool with all of them. And they was the age group that was doing it, you know. Yeah. But moms would be like, oh, 11 o'clock. You know, you know everything no joke till after that. So, you know, uh, by the time I got old enough, you know, I had moved to Mount Vernon then. And then that's when I really got in. But in 1979, my mom bought me my first DJ set. And um, that's, for me, you know, that's where it really started. But right before that, I used to DJ on my mom's stereo. So my mom's on stereo, my aunt's on stereo. We would take my aunt's stereo, you know, have it, speak it at my mom's, and I would do it with the button, boop, 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 you know. <laughs> you know, but by doing that, by the time I got real, I understood it more because I had been practicing yeah. on these stereos, you know. So it's, it's a long story, fam. Like, I can't even... <laughs> Yeah. So, 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 so this is the time where if you were a DJ, you always had to buy two records. What were the first two records that you purchased? Well, see, I didn't even have to buy records because my mom's and my mm. aunt both had stereos. Mm, okay. Their record collection. So they had. Okay, so you were scratching up their stuff. Right. <laughs> what happened was, I would my mom's like back in, then in our living room. That's where her stereo was. So she would play music, like especially on the weekend. Yeah. And right, endless records. And I would be listening to these records and I'd be like, wait, I heard this record at that party, you know. What record is that? And I look on the record and be like, oh, that's what that. So I would sneak upstairs to my aunt's house when she wasn't around, sneak up to her apartment, go to her records, and she would have the same record. And I'd be like, oh shit, you know. So I just was taking the records. You know, when they wasn't around, and then I would be doing. Woo, 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 woo. So, in the beginning, I didn't have to buy records. But then, mm. when I got my turntables, I think the first record I bought was Super Disco Break. And that was, uh, they had like five different records Three, on it. Yeah. Ooh, Mardi Gras. And the Mardi Gras skip. It wasn't even the real. Do, 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 ding, ding, ding. You know, it had this like skip in it. So, <laughs> but it had catch a groove on it. So that was, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was like the first that I actually bought. And then, you know, back then in the 80s, they were 
doing a lot of these 12-inch records that were prints of records. So you could get Mardi Gras, but you would get the bootleg 12-inch, but it had the record, you know. And they had like a spot in, in the Bronx we used to go to called Brad's Record Game on 225th and White Plains Road. Y'all from a town, y'all know what I'm talking about, Brad. And he had those records. So I bought, started buying, you know, records then. You know, I really started getting deep into building a record collection, not only just with breaks, but records, because now, like 79, 80, 81, that dance classics era, you know, like Unlimited Touch and uh, music, I hear music in the street, you know, all that stuff yeah. is coming out. And, you know, so you had to buy those records too. You had to have disco records, pretty much, like, because we, we did parties, you know, and uh, so yeah, so Super Disco Breaks was the first record I could say I actually bought. And uh, then from there, I just started, you know, my record collection. I always love hearing these history lessons, man, especially from people who, um, from New York, because they were so much like implanted into the birth and the evolution of, of hip hop. You know, me being such a, a huge hip hop fan, man, I, I love to be able to to talk to some people that that have the knowledge of what was going on before I really started getting into it. You know, I, I you know, I remember Sugar Hill Gang when it first came out, but I didn't really start getting into hip hop until like maybe the mid 80s when I was in hot when I was in high school and not realizing that there was a whole <laughs> story about, you know, yay big that I didn't even know about because, you know, you guys, man, were just, were just there and just literally watering the seeds, man, to, to help it grow. And, and anytime I have a chance to, to talk to somebody from that era, man, I just love listening to the stories, especially, especially the DJs, man, because I, I feel like even to this day, the DJs have always been the overlooked yeah. part of hip hop as far as the music is concerned. Yeah. So anytime I I get a chance to get, you know, a history lesson like that, you know, it's, it's always good for my soul, man. It's, it's good to hear, you know, those those beginnings, so to speak. I think, you know, one of the things that really motivates me the most because DJing it's exhilarating when you're spinning records and all that and watching other people do it you know I mean I was too young to go you know out where Flash and all those guys was playing because I was young but I have a cousin that lived in Bronxdale Projects and I used to go over there and spend the night over there my cousin Barry Parker and Tony Parker. And they're the ones that actually taught me how to really DJ with a mixer. But where they lived at was, was one of the homes of the Black Spades. Y'all from uptown, y'all know what I'm talking about. Black Spades and also, you know, these dudes used to come out. Uh, Disco King Mario used to come out. Tex uh, uh, D Hollywood used to come out. And used to come out there on the blacktop. And the building that my cousin lived in, we lived on the second floor, uh, above us uh, was a lady that they used to run the extension cord out of a window 
or to the basketball court there, you know, where they had the equipment, you know. See, people don't believe that those stories are true, man. Fam, I mean. There's a lot of people that don't believe those stories. It's real, what man. It's like, this was, this was how you did it. And then, you know, sometimes because we had like a big park, Rosedale a Park right there. And sometimes they would play in there. And when I tell you, man, we called them jams, you know. Mm. And it would be endless sea of people just coming out, you know, just watching people play. And then that's where I saw breakdancing. Like people would, you know, be moved out in the space and then dudes would be breaking and then dudes would be over here dancing. Dudes would be over here smoking weed, drinking old English. That's where I got my first taste of old English was in the gym. <laughs> I was hanging out with my cousin in the gym and then somebody passed me a 40 and I was like maybe 12 years old and I just like and I just did like this and I was like hmm, you know hey, oh, this is good, you know but it was cool. You liked it the first time you sipped old English? I mean, you know man. <laughs> well, only because you know, my grandpa used to drink Canadian club okay. and you know, he wasn't around he used to have the, the little pint, you know. I would go in the, the room and, you know, and I'd take that little, and just that little, I'd be like, you know, because I was young, you know. So by, when I hit the beer, I was like, oh, man, this is, you know. But I still wasn't, like, buying beer and all that yet. Right. Something that happened. But, you know, back then, jams, man, that was, like, where everybody got together. And, you know, to me, I think what happened with hip hop, what messed hip hop up is they took that away, you know, in in, in the community center, excuse me, and in the public park. Because see, back then in the projects, everybody had a pool. So not only did you have a gym, you had people in the pool, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, swimming in the pool. So it was like, you got two for the price of one. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you know they took all that away. Took the pools out. You know what I mean? You know everything. And you know as the record industry started coming in, I think that it really what sealed the fate for a lot of things because when people started making records, it was like now people were more interested in the records than actual groups and it still took a minute before everything died like not even died but you start seeing less and less jams with like DJ MCs doing routines because that was the thing man like I didn't get to go see the Cold Crush and those guys but they had takes and you know when you would somebody would come through with the take you know that's how we got familiar with who everybody was you know what I mean? Because of that. Because I was, again, I was still kind of young. And, you know, mom wasn't having it. She wasn't letting me hang out to know two in the morning. Like, I tried to be up under my sister because she would go to her friend's house. And then, you know, they would go out. And I'd be like, yo, I want to, can I go? She, nah, you, you. Yeah. You know, a little bit too young for that at that yeah. time. So, and then we used to have parties. Like, when I moved to Mount Vernon in 1978, it was in July 1978, so maybe a couple of months after we did like a housewarming thing, all our people came up from the Bronx, 
you know, I played the music, you know. Well, actually, I didn't do it the first time. One of the, our people's there, he had played the music on the record player because I didn't have equipment yet. But then after that, when I got my equipment, then moms would let us do house parties and we would jam, you know, people would come up and we would have house full of people. I miss those days. You know, Kool-Aid, fried chicken. I miss those days. I mean, to me. I miss house parties, man. Fam, house parties was the greatest thing ever, bro. Man, why? Why did they take it away? Well, not they didn't take it away, but it just—I yeah, was gonna say—I don't know. I don't know if they took it away more or less than we made it go away because we stopped we knowing how to act. Yeah. We wanted to make money. Yeah, yeah. Well, once it became about money, that to me destroyed the fact of hip hop. But now you have rap, and let me just say it because I know some people have said it, and I'm gonna say it just to reinforce it, y'all. Let me get closer, y'all can hear me. Hip hop and rap not the same. Two different things. Not the same. Absolutely. Only difference. Absolutely. Hip hop and rap, they walk the same walk in a sense, but there's two different meanings to it. Because hip hop is not only a lifestyle, but the 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 format of it. DJing, MCing, breakdancing. Graffiti artists in the back, you know, jams in the park, house party. The way you dress, yeah. They they always say rap is something you do, hip hop is something you live. Back then, it was AJ Lessons, British Walkers, Kangos, you know, uh, 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 Stacey Adams, British Playboys, and my Brooklyn cats, Wallaby, you know, Uh Gold Tooth. You know, I mean, you know what? All of that stuff that Nina wears today. People used to come up from Philly. People used to come up from Baltimore. And they would hang out and then go home the next day because, you know, you could take the train back then into Philly. And then, you I mean, I'm sorry, into Wilmington, Delaware. And then you can get to Scepter, to Trenton. Then okay. get the Jersey Railroad to... 34th Street, Penn Station, New York. And then you could, and people was doing that because the jams would go all night. So and the so the scepter went all the way to Delaware. The scepter went to Wilmington, Delaware. I didn't know that. Okay. So well, no, back then actually, I don't think it went to Wilmington. I think it went a little bit before Wilmington, Marcus Hook or something. But I know people were going to Philly from Baltimore and DC, and then it was there, you know, to Deceptor to uh, Trenton, and then they would take that to New York. So, and some people were coming up on the ground. So, to explain to Nina, who has this look on her face, Deceptor is out there, is their version of the MTA. Uh, Deceptor. Okay. A bus or a train? Both. Metro type. Both. Metro. Like, right. Yeah, our version of the MTA. But he, he was looking like. <laughs> you know me, don't you? You know me. So, is this the part? That we get to the speed, bring us up the speed round. That's what I just made up for this. So, Mr. Triple. Yes, ma'am. Oh, gee. Just put the people in the back. Like, Antoine's more musically inclined um, historically than I am. But some of my friends that are also on the live, um, they don't necessarily have the background that Antoine has. So, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Uh-oh. And... Um, 
work with me, okay? Hey, bro, so you, I might, feel, you, might um, wanna, you might want to pull the 21 out for this one, bro. Oh, yeah, the 21. <laughs> <laughs> so to be, to be an OG means you have history and wisdom in a particular area, yes. mostly related with uh, urban situations. So when you, we got when you started playing with the music in your house. When did you start semi-professionally touching it. So after you got the records and you learned how to work your equipment and you did stuff out in the parks and you did stuff on the basketball basketball courts, then what's next? What's your interest, entrance to professional music? So like like right now I'm I'm guessing you're a DJ, am I right? Well I'm an artist as well. Okay. So let's start that that career path. You started out as a what? I started out as a DJ, of course, like I said, in the 80s. So around 1986, I started going to jail. I was in jail 86, 87, 88, 89, 90. I came home 1991. Now, I actually had spurts in between. I came home in 88 for a while, went back to jail. So I was, I had almost lost interest in it. Because, you know, in those days, now we were in the streets, you know, wilding, you know, the dope game was in. I tried to dabble in that a little bit. And, you know, I started doing music less and less. So when I came home in 91, one of my homeboys from D, from Zulu Nation, uh, sat down with me and, you know, was telling me what he was doing. And they was in the studio and... You know, a lot of other stuff was going on. And, you know, he was trying to help me get my life back on track. So that's where I entered it professionally. I started working with him and his partner, Tony Free, Raw from the Core, DJ Wild West. And uh, we started putting demos together, you know, and, you know, going in real studios. And, you know, then around 1993, I ran into my homeboy, Mr. Freeze. From Daddy Five, uh, he had just came out of jail, so he had a, a deal with an independent record company called Radical Records. And uh, I saw him, and he was telling me about it. And he said, "Hey, man, yo, come down. You know, let me hear what you got." So I had some demos, and I went down there to see him to the label down in Ninety Nine Bleecker Street, played my demos, and he said, "Yo, I like this stuff, man. Like." We're going to put a record out. And I was like, wow, like, for real? Like, so the guy that owned What's your the- demos of? Demos I- of you mixing or demos of you of creating me. beats? What's your demos? Well, I was doing reggae hip-hop, because that's what I'm known for. So I okay. did it called The Outlaw. And, you know, this uh, independent record company put that out. But prior to that, DJ Red Alert. Are you, do you guys know who DJ Red Alert is? Absolutely. DJ Red Alert. DJ Red Alert. DJ Red Alert had a radio show on Friday nights and Saturday nights. So at the beginning on the Friday night, he would play these promos. I did a promo for him. And he would play my promo first. And then on the Saturday night, he had a reggae show. I did a reggae promo. He would play my reggae promo at the end of the show. And when there were shows all around New York, we would go down to these shows 
and DJ Riddler would be there, and he would get me in. Like, yo, get in here. And then he would let me get on stage at some of these shows and perform. So that really is my introduction professionally because I didn't have a record deal yet, but he was grooming me for that. And I would get in the taste of what it was like to be a rapper now. Because now it's the rap game. It's no more longer, you know, hip-hop with, with the crew and the MCs and da-da-da. You know, they this rap game now. It's all about making records, rapping, and blah, blah, blah. So that was it. And then I made the Outlaw. Um, it didn't really hit here, but I did a video. Shout out to Tyson Beckford. The, the video I did for the Outlaw, Tyson Beckford was in the video before. Oh, word. He was <laughs> in the state. Like he hadn't, you know, blown up yet. So, and you know, he was a cool dude. I met him through a brother named Devon from Soundview. They, because they was both in the modeling thing. So we did it. Kate Superior, shout out to Kate Superior. That was down with Dougie Fresh. He came through. So we did that. We did the video. Um, Rob McDaniel, shout out to Rob McDaniels. Video Music Box. Legendary. Video a couple of times. Shout out to Rachel from BET. When they had the Caribbean, Caribbean Rhythms, she played it on there. So, that record ends up getting me shows. It ends up overseas, and one of my cousins, God bless, he just passed away, David Burnett, from England, uh, got me on shows over in England, got me on compilation albums and different stuff. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much that how, right there. That's where how, how old are you at this point? So around that time, 29. Uh, yeah, between, yeah, around 28, 29. And so when the record came out, uh, I, I ended up meeting a gentleman named Michael McNate from Florida, the chin. I call him the chin because he's eight, like an Asian black dude, nice kid. Dude. And <laughs> me and him, I forgot where I met him, but he heard my stuff. He was like, oh, man, you got to go out to L.A. And I was like, wow, like, I don't know. LA, like, how am I gonna? So he talked to the record label owner and told him, Look, man, this dude, he he's not gonna hit here in the East Coast. This kind of record, you gotta take it out west. And you should get behind him. So he was like, all right, and he funded it. And Michael Magnate took me to LA in 1995. I touched down, we went on the Greyhound, it was three days. <laughs> Three-day bus ride, the first time of my life I ever did anything like that. Touchdown to L.A., South Central. Shout out to Manson. Rest in peace, D-Lope. They met me at the bus. They took me to South Central, L.A., and it was on and cracking, man. It was, I was so what was your name then? My name was Prince Dominique the Outlaw. Okay, and if I'm looking for a record that you made, is that how I look for it under that name? on YouTube. I think it's on there. Prince Dominique the Outlaw. I don't know where the video is. I don't have the video. That's what I was looking for, man. Right. Because you couldn't have been the triple OG at 29. So I knew it had to be another name. OG comes with age. Now, that phase of my life happened. You know what I mean? The triple OG came in because Around 19, 
97, 98. Now that that phase came and went. Uh, I started working with a software company. Shout out to Jeff Fitzsimmons, Olaf. Well, then I started working with a software company. They pressed CDs and DVDs. I met them at a computer convention. I was like, yo, you guys, you ever thought about pressing music and selling it? They was like, well, you know, we kind of, we just don't know what to do. So I gave them my pitch. They gave me a job. They gave nice. me a So now I cut another record called Uptown Lovers. And it's me, my guy Funk D, my guy Gravity, Bobolini, my good friend Denise Johnson. Shout out to Denise Johnson. And uh, my boy Don Claudio, who was a singer. So we all, we did this record. And you had the company that I was pressing the CDs. We shot a video, Virginia Beach, everything. So I was with them for like uh, 1998, 1999, 2000. No, I'm sorry. I was with them from... 1999, 2000, and then 2001, we was about to go full scale, 9-11 hit. Mm. I was down to New Orleans when 9-11 hit because I was doing shows. Shout out to Dr. Seuss down to New Orleans. You know, so I was down there doing shows and mm. I almost lost my drive for mm. the music because of that, you know, so now... Of 9-11? Yeah, because of 9-11, but in that time, now I start pushing Don Figure more, because now I'm getting older, you know, the Prince Dominique thing was kind of like, okay, I was that for a long time, I was getting older, you know, I was evolving into other things, I was in the music industry, because I had interned at Def Jam for a while in the 90s with uh, Heidi Smith, who was a great person who used to run Rush Associated Labels. And I was also under the tutelage of Burt Padel, Stash Mode Cash for Burt Padel. You know, Maybe. that's where I learned about the finance game. And Burt Padel taught me so much, man, about the music business. So I was kind of learning more about the business now. Because I realized that I needed to know more about the business if I was going to be in it. Because I was seeing how everybody was getting ripped off and absolutely dying, and you know, it's crazy stuff. It was making me like really not want to do it. I wasn't even DJing anymore, so I went back to LA about 2003. I had been back and forth, but I went and moved back to LA around 2004, uh, five, 2005. And, you know, I got family there. My cousin, shout out to Judas Star, baby Matt. You know, Judas Star, was a, he's a promoter. He was promoting shows, big shows, like big venues and stuff. So, you know, we're he brings me on board with him. Like, look, you need to just work with me. We, we start doing big venues like uh, the Highlands and Sunset Boulevard. Y'all from L.A., y'all know I talk about Hollywood, Sunset Boulevard. We did Long Beach Convention Center. We did The Rock out in Costa Mesa. So, you know, I'm performing at these events at the same time. And they're big events. So now I'm selling CDs. Like, I'm eating. I'm eating off of the music. So like, these are like so these are like festivals. These are huge. Well, they were just more like big shows. Okay. You know, the festivals came after, like, okay. so... 
you know, I was doing that. And then, you know, uh, I came back to New York and then, um, you know, I had to do this mixtape with my brother's pockets and text. Shout out to pockets and text. We had to do the mixtape. And that was like the first mixtape I ever did with somebody. You know what I mean? And we did that. And that kind of took off. Like, went back down south. Uh, I went to Texas because I had lived in San Antonio for a while. Like, everywhere I had been, I went back because now I got the CDs. And I'm doing that, and it's helping me build my rapport with people. So I'm OG now. Now I'm OG because in that moment, I'm 40s, in my 40s, you know. Yeah. So I'm doing that. And then around 2008, my cousin Dave Burnett, God bless the dad, he had some people that wanted to do a tour. So I said, okay, cool. I knew people, school buses and stuff. You know, these guys came, got $40,000 in the paper bag on the table and said, we want to go on tour. So I had a connect with the cats out of Atlanta. Me and Nina would have been out. And <laughs> <laughs> Me and Nina would have been out. Don't think I ain't thinking about it. <laughs> I'd have got 30, she would have got 10, we would have been out. But so I hooked up with a dude named Dre. He was working with Shakir out of Death Jam. And this dude named Boo, who was Akon, he said, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so they was familiar with some clubs and stuff in Mississippi, Alabama, whatever. And they had this artist named Dollar. You remember Dollar? He passed away in L.A., got killed. He had a record with Lil Wayne, like right at the moment where he was about to blow up yeah, is when he got I'm killed. With him. Okay. And then brother named Ray Lavender. Ray Lavender is the one that was on the show with Amarosa, and he won. It's <laughs> out to Ray Lavender. And uh, we, you know, they I had two buses. So they was in the bus, I was in the bus. We had a whole bunch of people on there, people that had paid. It was just going to these different clubs doing this tour, you know what I mean? And, you know, the tour was pretty cool. It didn't go like we wanted it to go, but that's where I learned how to run my own tour. And, you know, I, I hadn't really recorded a lot then yet. So, and I'm just running through all this, y'all, so tell me when to stop. But <laughs> from that, I ran into, some, remember MySpace? Yeah, absolutely. I love MySpace. When I was on my, he still has it. Me and my cousin Judas Star, we set up about a hundred MySpace pages. So I had a page for every uh, state, and then we had pages called Chance That Pain uh, that I was doing with my other cousin Colin. So through that, I was reaching people because they had these little bots back then where you could send out. You could post music and yeah. video to like yeah. at a time, so we was using that, and we were reaching people, man. Like, so I run into a guy named Kenneth Sanford, to another guy that was like, "Yo, I'm gonna introduce you to this guy. He's got the stage, and they do these black college football tailgates." I didn't even know what that was. I was like, "What is that?" So he hooked me up with the guy. We were talking, and we decided, you know, we was gonna get together, and 
man, I went to one of the events and saw all these people, college kids, it was like, this is incredible, man. All these people, like big stage, and it wasn't, the stage wasn't even that big yet. Uh, the little dude, uh, Chucky, I think, he was in Ride Along 2. I don't know if you've seen the movie Ride Along 2. Definitely. And okay, so the part in the park, I think, it was the little dude talking to Kevin Hart. Yeah, okay, at the basketball court. He was on at one of our shows with Any Game Entertainment. And this is when I first saw him, he was old, only like eight, nine, ten. And I'll send you the YouTube links because we still got him up where you can see him performing. So I'm with In the Game Entertainment now. So now I'm doing stuff with them and they're doing like big tailgates like and Tuskegee Homecoming, you know, Majesty Classic, Birmingham. Uh, 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 we were doing an event called the Foot Wash. Oh, uh, no, I was just getting ready to ask you what the heck the Foot Wash Foot Festival is, man. And the Foot Wash, bro, you <laughs> know what Freaknik is, right? Yeah, absolutely. The Foot Wash was Freaknik steroids, so wow. you size to the Foot Wash. You had that side, then you had the, the, the grown folk side with the gotcha. whole, you know. But that was man, foot wash, bro. And so, so first of all, I gotta go back to Molly Mall. Okay, I'm sorry. Now, nah, I'm sorry, Red Alert. I gotta go back to Red Alert. Okay, because that's like one of my hip hop bucket list people that I would love to interview. Right, so right. If you want to, if you want to call them at this and tell them you got some cool people from Baltimore, but I'll reach out. You know, I definitely send them a message and let them know you would like to interview them. As you know, Red's doing thing, you know. But whenever I'll, I'll interview him at happy anniversary because I know today is uh, his anniversary. So yeah, I definitely try to reach out to him and see if there's any way you guys can connect. Yeah, that was that was my shameless my shameless reach out. So. What I wanted to ask you is, um, how much how much did you continue on the reggae aspect of, of the music? Are you still doing that today? Well, yeah. I mean, it really, it was the reggae that kept me afloat. That kept it, right. Because that's that that's how you were able to connect pretty much with so much of the... Right. Yeah. Welcome anywhere. Yeah. So I'm not a beanie man or, not, you know, right. like, they get it. They do it. You know, I'm more hip hop, reggae, and you know, people like it. You know, I was not born in Jamaica, but I grew up around West Indian. You know what I mean? And African. So most of my friends was Portuguese, West Indian, African. So, so I was taught by a brother named Marky Black, the teacher, Marky Black from the Rochelle, who taught me how to chat lyrics. And back in the '80s. And I would do it. I was doing this since the eight. We were doing it on Studio One's. Out to Mike Mayfield from the Valley, you know, Valley Valley Crew. You know, I used to hang out in the Valley a lot, and we used to do it down there in the park, you know, because you know they used to bring out the systems out there back in the days, and uh, you know, so reggae kept me afloat. Reggae what really allowed me in certain circles. Hmm. I wasn't rapping. For a long time, I had lost, you know, the drive. I, I just didn't care no more. But not really till around 
2014. Now, so 2014, my cousin Classy D, shout out to General Classy D, says, yo, man, you know, take you over. I said, yo, because somebody else, I ain't going to say his name, was supposed to be to take me over to DJ E-Man's house. Nah, man, tell us who it is, bro. Nah, I ain't going to put him out there like that. So I told my cousin, Classy D, and he said, yo, DJ E-Man, you don't remember DJ E-Man? I'm like, yeah, it sounds familiar. And he's like, yo, remember he used to come out with a sound system back in the 80s, and we had did some battles and stuff, and he just couldn't picture it. So he said, man, come on. He took me to his house, opened the door, and I saw him. I was like, oh, snap. You, Brother. I ain't seen you in like 25, 26 years, you know. We hugged, we embraced, we sat down. We started doing these DJ shows up there. And I was doing like interviews and I see you saw my YouTube channel. Like you can see when I first started up there, all that's on there. And I did interviews on some old school guys, Rodney C, shout to Rodney C for Funky Four, shout to Master Ice and Jazzy Five, shout to Tiski Valley, you know, Grand Groove, like you know, Cats was coming through, shout out to Keith KC, you know, Rump Shaker, you know, uh, Master Don, Deaf Community. So we were doing that, and then one day E Man said, Well done, you 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 rap, right? I was like, eh, I ain't really done it in a while. He said, look, rap on this beat right here. So he put a beat on, you know, I said a little rap or whatever. And I saw him playing with the NPC and all that. So I was like, yo, I got this record I want to rap on. Can you do it? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I gave him the record, he hooked it up. And I rapped on it. And he played it back and he turned it up real loud. Like, because, you know, we got the sound system in there. So, you know, in the project, you can blow the windows out. Can't nobody do that. <laughs> Bass, you know, he turned that thing up, and I heard it. And I just caught the bug again, man. Like, ding. Like, he's like, yo, done, man. Yo. So you got back into starting to do it after that? Shout to DJ E-Man, my bro, my brother from another mother. Because of him, you know. And I was still, it was in me, but. You know, I wasn't doing it. You know, if you don't I, have that hunger and you don't have that desire, right? You know, what I'm saying it's, it's best to not even and it was different now because you know the money thing became more. You know, oh, it's all about the money and cars and you know and all that. And you know, I don't got all that, so I was like, well, what am I gonna rap about? And you know, my bro was like, yo, just talk, like do what you do. You know, you don't gotta. Just do what you do, and that's what I do. You know, I'm a black exploitation buff, so that's why you see. And I be putting it up on my Instagram more than my Facebook, but I put freestyles up and I put the black exploitation clips on it and all that. So let's, let's let's bring it around now to like 2021 20, as we're going into this new year. Um, you have anything coming up, like as far as projects or just any any work that you're going to be putting out? Yeah, right now I got a mixtape up on SoundCloud called Freestyle Madness Volume One. So you can go on SoundCloud. So you still rapping on that? You you rapping so you know, on that? I I've got like five projects. <laughs> okay. Yeah, with my partner, my cousin, Roe Dice, and uh, DJ E Man. You know, we got a couple of projects. Shout out to Pockets and Text. You know, they're gonna be on some of my stuff. And you know, shout out to uh, Huncho. You know what I'm saying? Big Huncho out in the West Coast because, you know, we 
we worked on some things and he did some videos that I actually got up on YouTube. So yeah, I got that coming and I'm working on Freestyle Madness Volume 2, you know, which is coming soon. And then I have some projects with my cousin Ro Dice that will be coming out hopefully in the summer. You know, COVID kind of yeah. whack and you yeah. know, I'm at risk. So I gotta be careful. Right. Um, Oh, you definitely got to. So this is going to be a real interesting question. I, I usually hate asking this question because it's so cliche and because like everybody that does interviews ask this question, but I'm I'm definitely interested in hearing your top five rappers, your top five MCs of all time. And I'm not talking, I'm not talking five dudes that you just like. I mean, who from a, from a totally skill level of MC, give me a five, bro. If you can. For me, I can't, I don't have a favorite because I like MCing more than rapping. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't tell you on rapping because there's not too many rappers that I listen to. I do listen to some, but not in sense. But when it comes mm -hmm. to MCing, for me, number one on my list is Coke LaRock. Coke LaRock was one of the first who I heard MC. And from there, I was hooked on him, you know. Number two, Melly Mel. You know, because Melly Mel, he just got that voice. It, something about his aggressiveness on the mic, for me, it just made me want to do it too, you know. Number three, Master Ice. I mean, this dude, I ain't going to front. I try to imitate like, I, <laughs> like, his style, swag is so smooth. Even now, if you talk to this brother, he's just so humble and style. Oh. And, and reflecting his music. And he's also a DJ. But his rap style, his style, just, I just wanted to be like him, man. I just wanted to be him. So, number four... Grandmaster Cass, man. I mean, this dude Casanova Fly. I mean, I knew him from those days on the tapes, you know. And Cass is the one that was that was ghostwriting for members of the Sugar Hill Gang, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, and you know, so then number five, Busy B. I don't care where I went. If I saw Busy B on a microphone, people were up and dancing and shouting, hands in the air. Like to me, Cody Rocker really represent what a master of ceremonies. That's yeah. what masters of ceremony. It's about moving the crowd. That's hip hop, rap, whole nother game. And it's okay because everything has to evolve. You know what I mean? And but when it comes to that, those are my top five. I love, you know what I mean. I don't, I don't know if Busy B had family here, but Busy B is. He was living. Very, in Baltimore. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I, he's here quite often. I'm not sure if he's still here. Mike may be from there. Maybe I'm not sure. Don't you know? But yeah, Busy B was living. It's living yeah. there, man. Yeah, he. And, you know, those guys were traveling back then. Yeah. They were coming to Philly. They were going to DC. They were going to Baltimore, you know. 
He so, uh, he always pops up. Not e not not even just the big shows, but he'll he'll pop up in a club where it won't be any mainstream artist performing at all. Right. But he just right. built that kind of relationship with a lot of the hip hop artists here that we have. That right. he always pops up there, and I'm glad that you said Melly Mel because I always feel like. The last verse of the message is probably one of the greatest verses in hip hop history. Yeah, I mean, Me it, it defines and seeing, man. You know, we, the child is born, no state of mind, blind to the ways of mankind. Like when I heard that, yeah, man, that was before it's time, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was in the future. That's like, if there was internet and all that back then. It would be a different game now, family. I don't think hip-hop would be so much in the back. So that's why, you know, as much as I love rap and, I, you know, I do rap and all that, and I do it with the nephews, they love it and they want me to do it. I do it for them, you know what I mean, the nephews and the nieces. But a lot of the stuff that I do is straight hip-hop. You know, we, 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 we do parties and you know, we do jams, like just doing that stuff. Cause we want kids to know the experience of real hip hop, you know, not being under pressure of writing a song that has to be so over the top for people to listen to them, you know. Mm. So if you go back and listen, Kumo Team Battle, the first actual battle that I know of, because somebody, somebody say oh no there was stuff before that I can't argue it because I don't know I was too young but when I heard the tape of Busy B and Kumo D Kumo D's on my list by the way if you would have said 10 MCs I, <laughs> but don't get mad fellas if I ain't mentioned you I love all y'all but that battle is very important go back and you can go online on YouTube yeah it's still on YouTube Listen, I've heard it several times. Listen to the words of of what both of them are saying, because that is one of the biggest controversial questions of the hip hop history. Who won that battle? And I listened to that battle over and over and over and over, and I still couldn't tell you who won. But I can tell you that both of them ushered in. Uh, the next era, Kumo D came with the fast hook. Like, people were like, what? What? But his, his crowd motivation style, you couldn't like not listen to. It. You was mesmerized by it. You know what I mean? Hey, Burger King. It's Virgo. It's Virgo. Like, like. It's, it's it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick a winner in that battle because they they did the same thing really with two totally different styles. It's just a matter of what what you like the most. Thank you. What you did. That's the answer to the question of rap and hip hop. It's two different styles. Yeah. So that's why I can't pick rap because I'm really more of an MC than a rapper. But, you know, I love a lot of rap. Of course I love Tupac. Of course I love Biggie. Of course I love Ice-T. Ice-T. Shout out to Ice-T. Too short. If I could do a song, I'd do it with Too Short. Definitely. Free. You know, like, I, I can go on and on. You know what I mean? Like, I like Spice One. You know, Scarface. Yeah, Goody Mob. Like, it's... it's just, so many. Right. You know, like, I can't... Eat. 
Nah, I like Money Bag Yo. I like Little Baby. I like me like. And I like the girls. I'm not saying I don't like the girls. I like Little Boy Yo. You know, I like Cardi. Hey, Nina. Nina has bars on the. Nina has bars on the humble man. Yo, you need to come to New York and let's, let's stop playing. Let's. let's get it. Nina, hey, you ain't talking, man. What's up? You don't like me? I'll drive, man. I don't like Twan. I was listening to you. No, it's like I like like it's amazing how many names you know off the top of your head. And like everybody that you work with and you giving shouts. I'm like like I should have that skill set. I do not. Um I was wondering how the OG and you will be able to um educate like like in your in your years that you are now do you deal with any children do you deal with any groups of people where you're able to share all of your experience and 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 wisdom well yeah i am part of a lot of community organizations uh shout out to my brother Renzo first freeway boys and west coast uh one of one of my mentors and friends who i do that with um we do talk to uh, uh, at-risk children, you know, we do it in the school. Shout out to Scholar Rock Jr. Shout out to Scholar Rock Jr. And, you know, another brother that, you know, I definitely like to do that with. So he does it, you know what I mean? And, you know, there's a lot of organizations that I work with. Uh, I am personally involved with my mom, Reverend Margaret Powell, who has a nonprofit called Watch. Well, it's not a nonprofit yet, but called Watts, uh, Women at the Cross of Hope. And, you know, she oh, does free wow. and, you know, we, we, you know, we go out, we minister and stuff. Because at the end of the day, fam, you know, I'm not ashamed to say I'm a believer in, in Jesus Christ. And, you know, he's first in my life. You know, yeah, I curse. I talk about hates and stuff, whatever, you know, whatever. Judge me if you want. But hmm. Christ is still first in my life. Nobody's perfect. And, you know, I do go out with moms and do that. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of extended family, you know, nephews and nieces that are not by blood, but they call me unk because they look up to me and I try to be the best example as I can to them. And, you know, so that, that a lot, you know, most of the stuff that I do is mostly community oriented. So, you know, the music is one thing and I love that. But for me, at the end of the day, it's community revolution and progress. And you know what that is. And if you don't okay. know, now you know. Now you know. You're going to learn today. I got another question because you said something about MCs versus rappers. So I need a little bit more help with that. So I know you can have a DJ, D-E-E-J-A-Y, that are radio DJs. They're not DJ. I know the MC is the master or mistress of ceremony, but are you rapping? Well, what's the difference between an MC and a rapper? I guess well, that's the question. This is the MC goal is to move the crowd. This, this now, I move the crowd, but I'm not rapping. Crowd. You get it? <laughs> so you're doing something that I'm not doing. Well, not necessarily. It's just that the... Uh, Corporate America drives the industry. So they program everybody to think that rap is what it is. But at the end of the day, you might be doing it. It depends on what you want to do. 
you can label yourself what you want, and it's all about form. So when you go, like when I do a show, I, I come out, I tell jokes, I move the crowd, I get into it. I don't consider that rapping. I right. just consider it singing. You know what I mean? Because regardless of what I'm on the mic talking about, the number one goal for me is I have to move the crowd. Because if the crowd is not moved and motivated, which a lot of people do, and then they give me the rest of my money, you know. So the difference between MCs and rappers, now don't get me wrong, rappers, they write the songs and they try to write the songs in a way where people are going to react to it so that they can get those reactions, which they do, you know. They doing the dances now and the you know the you know the kick dances. Like, I love it, man. I love the, the kick dance. <laughs> they doing everything we was doing. They just doing their version of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's that corporate America though. They don't want MCs and rappers to come together and unify and just be one because then we wouldn't need mm. hip hop didn't need corporate America. Corporate America needed hip hop. Absolutely. Got the bag. Everybody jumped on the bag. You know what I'm saying? But unfortunately, what's in the bag might be a mousetrap. Mm. What it is might be a bag of. Yeah, I was. I was gonna. I was gonna say earlier, man, when you were um talking about your history a little bit, how it's it's sad that a lot of the rappers in this in this era today don't really understand the sacrifices that the rappers from your era made from a business standpoint, from a financial standpoint, so that they can make the kind of money that they make today. I mean, it was a lot of hard lessons that had to be learned at the sacrifice, unfortunately, of some of some of our greatest MCs. I mean, you know, Nas will tell you in a minute, he was broke for a long time. You know, and, and it's it's sad because like I feel like because the most of our most of our rappers came from the projects, the inner city, so on and so forth. When you sit that bag in front of them, you know what I'm saying? It, it's a life changing experience, not realizing what's on the back end of that. You know what I mean? Like not realizing that. You're only going to get about six or seven cents off this $15 album that we get ready to sell. And you got to pay. You know, we're going to give you these nice videos and we're going to give you this, that, and the third. But we got to get all of that back before you even start seeing a penny. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I mean, it took, it took people like, it, it took people like Master P and, and, you know, Dame Dash and what they were able to do with Rockefeller to start creating partnerships. Right. And saying that no, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna send, you know, you're not gonna enjoy the fruits of all of our labor, you know, because we're the ones in the studio creating, we're the ones that's on tour, so on and so forth. And basically, all you're doing is dishing out the money, right. but then all you're doing is taking back the money, and we're still sitting there eating crumbs. Right, right, right. Well, that's, that's the name of the game. I mean, it's it's just like the dope game, man. You, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> That's why they got the CDs out of here because once it was became accessible, easily accessible, now we can go 
to Staples and, and get a hundred pack. <laughs> Turn at home, that only burns two at a time. Right. But you stay up all night. Now you burn a hundred of them. You go on the subway and sell them for five dollars, and you come home five hundred dollars. Yeah, I used to I used to buy bootleg CDs at one time, man, and then I stopped. Yeah, because it got crazy. After a while. No, not even just because it got crazy, but I, I had to start thinking about the fact that that five dollars or that seven dollars that I was spending was going going to somebody that didn't have anything to do exactly. with the creation of that album. And yeah, so what know, they were using that money for? Exactly, and that that hurt a lot. Like, and no disrespect, but I know brothers. <laughs> They used to be out there with the tables. Yeah, I know plenty of them. Yeah. But yeah. the sad thing is the record labels is get, ripping them off. And, and they're not getting on right. And they're getting ripped off on the back end. And I used to say because it, it became, it became a, a point where so many rappers wanted to make records, quote unquote, for the streets. But it was the streets that was ripping you off because you had, like you said, people going and burning the CDs, and then people in the streets that you're making your records for, they're not going to Best Buy or Circuit City paying the full price. They going to Homeboy on the corner, and they getting it for five dollars, and you're not seeing anything. And that's why you have those famous stories of like Tupac or or MOP going through the city with baseball bats, you know, running up on on tables, man. In the 80s, you know, this late 70 days, they were doing the cassette tapes, you know, and, the, you know, the artists would perform, and you had, like, a tape deck plugged into the amp or the mixer, so you had that great quality tape, mm. and then they, you know, everybody didn't have the double dual dub cassette yet and all that. Nobody wasn't up on that. So what would happen is somebody would get a tape, and then they would dub it. And then when you double tape a hundred times, it, it sounds like tape out. Not yeah. only that, somebody would do the radio tape, the radio on the speaker, and the and the and the sound would be like, blah, 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 and you would pay twenty dollars for the tape. They oh no, it would be a Kumo a word word. You're playing like a tape for twenty dollars. So imagine how much street money in the eighties was being made. I mean, you can go in the weed spot and they had tapes. You can go to the bodegas and they had, like, yeah. good. you could get it. You know, the check cash in place. You know, this is before. So it was happening then. You know what I mean? It's just that when the CDs came in and the CD burners came in, it was like, oh, man, you know. So now corporate America realizes they created the monster. So what did they do? They killed the monster. Take that, you know. People say no, because technology advanced. Yeah, that's okay, but you don't have to take this out. They're pressing vinyls again. Yeah. Because vinyl is the essence of recording music and putting it out. But now with vinyl, you can digitize it. So it's the better sound quality. For me, and no disrespect, I know brothers like to do the controllers and stuff. And that's cool, man. I know DJ has a But me, no. I like to DJ vinyl or I like Spotify because I can upload stuff. And right. As long as I can spin back drop needles, like my boy DJ E-Man, you know, then I'm cool. I, I don't do the controls and stuff, and I don't want to because that's not for me, you know. And 
I think these are the things that are keeping me grounded now is because I'm staying in my lane where I belong, not trying to be like nobody, not trying to be better than nobody. I'm just doing what Triple OD Don Figure does, and that's it. And those that like it, like it. And if you don't like it, don't listen to it. You know, just, like that it. one. So you, you started with uh, Jamaican, mixing Jamaican music. And well, I noticed here that Jamaican music, when you mix it, they don't necessarily do a clean transition. It can get rather junky to get to one song to another because they use a lot of sound effects. Do you do that? Okay. You know I, what I'm talking about? I start mixing Jamaican records out. I know what you're talking about. But see, in Jamaica, they call it DJ. Even when they're chatting on the mic, they call it DJ. Their format is not about doing this. Mixing and, yeah. Their format, though, is still based on moving the crowd. So the sound effects and all that and stuff that they're doing now, they were doing sound effects and all that back in the 80s, but now it's a little more over the top because you got access to do more, like the, the air horns and all that. Do, 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 do. <laughs> you know, I feel like she just I feel like she just threw her boyfriend who's a DJ under the bus right there trying to uh, tell us that he can't DJ uh, reggae music or something. I'm no, he doesn't before. really do. No, no, he don't do that. Because he's like an oldies but goodies guy. He don't I, mm, it, he might have a set of it, but that's not what he what he does, no. But that's coming from me being in the clubs, in the Caribbean clubs. That's how they it's like they throw it together and add the sound effects over top of it to get to the next song. It's not a, a blend. It's like a rap, I mean, it, it you know, it, it evolved. And again, like hip hop and reggae go like this, because really they're both from the same egg. I don't know that. You know what I mean? I'm gonna have to do some research. Now I hear a lot of reggae with um Spanish, with Latin. Well, that's, that's what I I'm hearing it with now. Right, that's reggaeton. Reggaeton, right. So, hmm. hip hop and reggae, I mean, hip hop and reggae as a whole, because reggae has many spectrums to it. Dancehall reggae and hip hop is what I meant to say, because dancehall reggae mm -hmm. is upbeat, you know, like back in the day, Super Cat, then uh, 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 Burl Bantan, Yellow Man, you know, all those guys, you know, uh, 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 Junior Cat, like, you know, the, the sound system. Like, that's what they did. And they would have one turntable. They didn't have two turntables. They would do the record. They would do their thing. And then they would put the record, throw the next one on, you know, before it's, before you even knew. Well, you came um, down off the high. But they still had the mixer, and they would be voop, 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 you know, a Barrington Levy. Shout out to Barrington Levy, one of the dons, you know what I mean? Like, so, so I don't do that now, you know, the reggae, because it's way beyond, like, I haven't been in the culture, like, the newer culture. But shout out to cats like my bro, Michael Matrix Porter, shout out to Black Rain Sound, you know what I mean? Guys like that are guys that I would go to if I needed to do that, I would go to them because that's what they're doing and, you know, they're current, you know, with it, you know, and they're, and my brother, uh, Michael Matrix, I mean, he's had sound systems forever since I've known him 
and you know doing reggae and, and hip hop and house and, you know but mm -hmm. reggae he gets in so I would call upon those guys like them because I'm not experienced in the now of them. now some old school dancehall stuff and studio ones and then chatting on the dubs and all that yeah I do that because that's the stuff I love to do because that's what I grew up on I'm gonna have to see you. We got we gotta see you. Yeah, live. we gotta find his stuff. Yeah, we gotta find him. Yeah, I'm liking the heightness of it all. I think this is my last question. Okay. Um, I went to a workshop and the dude Triple OG was there, and I learned what from him. Well, hopefully you learned a little bit about hip hop culture. Um, you know, uh I thought you really went to a workshop, Nina. I thought it was a story. You know, I'm really an actress. I'm an actress. Play yeah. one on TV. Yeah, I hope <laughs> a little bit about hip hop culture and a little bit about, you know, why it's important and what it contained that made it so fun so yeah. that you can take that to somebody and say, you know what? I learned something about hip hop culture that's missing today that I think we should offer people because there's one thing about hip-hop culture that is very exciting and that is being in the setting of people listening to a DJ cut records while people are on the mic performing like Force of D's, shout out to Dr. Shot, Force of D's and just the excitement of that seeing it and dancing because I grew up in an era where you met people Places, female and male, you became friends. I people at hip hop jams back in 1980, 1979 that I am still friends with today. Soul food. It's just because we met on the spiritual plane, because that's what hip hop is. So that's what you take home with you that you take home a hip hop culture, like you said, that you didn't know, and you take home the aspect of knowing that, hey, it's okay to like it, no matter what age you are. Let me let me say this up, please. Now I got to get back close to y'all again. There is no limit on hip hop. They want to give it to you in hip hop. I don't care what they can't because we were there when it was born. You know, we are hip hop. We were born. Hip hop was born during our lifetime. Exactly. That would be my argument. We were there when it was born, so I don't know how you could take it away from us. But not only that, it's just. Because it's forever. It's no Earth with a Fire. Anything. Frankie Beverly Maze is still out there doing anything. So what is this well, thing? I was, and I and I was gonna say for for some reason they feel like once you hit forty, that's like your age limit because there's certain things that you should be shouldn't be talking about or whatever the case may be. I feel like, I feel like at that point you're probably gonna be the best MC that you've ever been because you've learned so much. And if it's okay for Eddie Van Halen or Garth Brooks to still be out here at 60 and 70 years old, well, selling millions still, and, you know, why, why, do you, why do they want to take it away from us? And this is the sad part about it. I'm glad you said that because the only people that really want to take it from us is us. It's us. And we won't, we won't even get – that's another whole two-hour – That's Bro, we're the only one. We're the only ones that – Ah, yeah. I'll tell you this, my brother and sister. I would love to bring a real 
pop event to Baltimore. I have actually uh, a partner out there. Shout out to George Gardy. Uh, I know he has a venue he was working with. But even if not that, you know, I would love to bring something outside. Just bring the sound system, play breaks, you know, do some old school stuff. And I know some guys I could probably bring from the old school out there, you know, that can, you know, and just... Paul gonna let him sleep in his basement. I mean, like he loves hip hop. Everybody can spend the night at his house. <laughs> he had cooked crabs for him and stuff. He would be excited about that. Barry, I got one more quick question because you're always welcome. You yeah, said you know, the last one was your last one. I know, but and this is and you got to do it quick, Mister Triple. What's the best memorable event that happened in your life? And what is the worst? Or did you see anything in the industry that really scared you? So you saying what's the best and as my experience in the industry? I think the best memorable experience for me in the industry is when I went to New Zealand and with my brother uh YDNA and brother D from shout out to Dorn Entertainment. And uh, they flew me out there. I was on the plane for like 12 hours. And it was, I was on the plane? It was I would have been late for 11 of them. And it was winter over there. <laughs> but, uh, and I did some shows there. And I met people. Like, I went, they took me to this tribal village, the Morley tribe. And I was just blown away by these guys. They looked like, kind of like, a biker gang look, and but their skin color was like ours, and they were cooking food in the ground, and so it was like, okay, we're cooking. <laughs> Nina, where you going? <laughs> you know, and they said, you know, if you don't want this, let us know. And you know, I didn't. I was like, what well, you mean in the ground? Like they caved out well, pits and yeah, made a grill over I, top of it. They put the rocks. In and it was like heat the rocks up all day, it would be real hot. They put in there and they put the rocks on top and then put the dirt on top. And it, you know, and I mean, man, that I might already cook like that. Lamb I ever had in my life. I was gonna say the greatest pork I've ever had in my life was when I went to Hawaii yeah. and they pulled that pig up off the ground and they had it in that, that net thing and they dropped it and all of that meat just. Man, they, they took me to the farm. They was like, pick. So I pointed to the sheep. I was like, okay, well, how about you that? Pick it out. Sheep? I didn't see the sheep. Sheep, bad sheep. She didn't eat Bambi. <laughs> Bambi is a deer, Nina. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, do we? I don't know any famous sheep then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So they, they, yeah, I said, well, I want the lake. I was familiar with the lake of lamb. <laughs> so they, they cleaned it, and they know I didn't see that part, but I saw when it was <laughs> the ground. It came out, looked like ribs, and it tastes like chicken. Yeah, and I, I had to heat it up, and I loved it. Yeah, I, just, I had, I had pork from out of the ground, man. It's, it's an amazing. Man. Too, I'm gonna take a hot pocket. I'm not fooling with one of y'all. So, okay, and your and your worst experience or something that scared you about the industry? I think my worst experience was when Tupac got killed. Mm. I was 
And a lot of the brothers I was with around was telling me, hey, you know, Dominique, we, we want you to stay inside. Don't be out too much. A lot of stuff going on. And we don't want you to get caught up in none of this stuff. You know, they was trying to protect me at the time. So I was like, okay. Shout out to Eat Wild. You know, I was staying over there with him for a while, you know. And then uh, Biggie got killed. And I was shooken. I was just, you know, because they got murdered. You know what I'm saying? You know, so I was just like, when do people get murdered in this? Like, when, you know, for me, it was, that was one of the things that discouraged me a lot, man. Like, is this where it's going? Like, mm-hmm. are people going to get murdered now in this? And as soon as I said that, it was just like, after that, I mean, all the way to now. Rappers getting killed, you know. Yeah. Man. I think Jam Master J was the one that shook me the most. You know, yeah, I was shook off of that too. Yeah, that was that's, you know, that that was kind of unfathomable. That, that's that's like super. That was like Superman dying to me. You know, and let me say something, man. I just want to say, especially to the young brothers, man. I mean, you could talk your, your stuff. You know, if you were tough guy, whatever. So you stuff for the mic, whatever. It is not about do that. Oh, he raps this. So what? You don't have to. You know, if you rap about it and you rap good about it, I don't care. You know, personally, it is not based on how you live in your life. So stop going on Facebook Live, killing people, and then going on Facebook Live in the pen with 50 years of life. Talk about, yeah, you know, that's why I'm real. Because, yeah, but now you're doing 50 to life. So, yo, we got to stop that. Man. We are killing opportunities daily. And the, the the industry opportunities to promote and sell yourself as an artist is getting smaller and smaller. It might look like it's getting bigger. Ain't there a coronavirus right now? Yeah. What did the coronavirus do? It shut down all of those big, the Coachella, and that was the lifeline. Yeah. Now, got people doing little stuff in little clubs here and there, but without touring, there's no money being made. So you know, we got to start. It starts. It starts here. But you, you got to use that. Yeah. You, know, you want to talk your mess? Talk your mess. I talk it. Some of my stuff. Yeah, you dad all right? I talk junk because I've been there and I've done that, but. I'm doing it because I'm trying to show you young cats. I ain't that dude. You know what I'm saying? So when you see me coming through and you think, yo, look at big man, you know, I just want you to know I'm not that dude. You know what I'm saying? And I can vibe and gel with you even better if we come together. That's why I'm cool with a lot of young cats. Because when I come through, I can relate. So whenever you're doing they cipher, I jump in they cipher. Mm. I spit and it's like, yeah, oh gee, you how old are you? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so but because I'm having fun with it. So yeah. let's have fun with it, y'all. Let's bring the fun back. You got bread and you got the cars and the money. That's fine, fam. You got jewelry. That's fine. I mean And you just want to wake up angry every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you got all that, then why are you going to jail for 50 like fam? Enjoy your life. Enjoy the hard work you put in to get this stuff. Don't don't get out here and lose your life. 
or or go to jail. Uh, come on, fam. Like, I don't need you. I don't need a car. I don't need nothing. If I can't go on the train and say, hey, baby, how you doing? Da, 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 da. I ain't never had to have anything to validate me who I am. If I want to, it comes from here and it comes from here. And yeah. if she don't go for it, then she ain't for me. I ain't going to go shoot her in the head because she ain't respond to me. Hey, <laughs> come on, fam. This is where we at. Where you at now? Well, New York? About the attitude of a lot of these cats who's getting money that feel like I'm getting money, so you got to talk to me. Right. Mm -mm. Same with me. I don't need that. You know what I mean? She, she be 21, 22. She still want to sit on my lap. 21, 22, Mr. Triple OG. You know, hey, legal. I'm just saying. <laughs> Battle. You know what I'm saying? My shit extra. Ooh, I curse. Sorry about that, y'all. That's all uh, right. You know, so. Because I was getting ready to cuss at you, but you fixed it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, hello, G, for nothing. You know, right. at the same time, I don't take advantage of people and I don't use and abuse people. Now, 30 years ago, yeah, you probably would want to shoot me or something. Because I wasn't that, I was a real. You wasn't nice. You know, yeah. Just put it that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I did some things that I had to repent. Yeah. And it took me years to repent. And I went through some things, man. I did the drug thing all that. I ain't gonna say I lie. I got I was, you know, and people know anyway. So it ain't like, you know, people that know know I went through all of that. You know what I mean? But I rose from the ashes like the Phoenix. And that's why I'm triple OG. Because I stood the test of time. And I'm still here doing my thing. And you the last breath come out of my lungs. Yeah. So real, real quick, man. Um, first of all, Nina asked, where are you at? Are you in New York now? I'm not in New York. I can't tell you exactly where I'm at right now. I know where he is, but I'm not. I understood. I understood. I'm not in uh, New York right now. But, you know, I'm up there a lot because, you know. Okay, I'm so where you are, what's the weather? Like <laughs> Don't fall for it, bro. She trying to. <laughs> no, I'm not, cause it's snowing here. I want to know if it's snowing there. Name is yours, exactly. We get. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, man. I want. I want to talk about twenty one real quick. Oh, pull, pull, pull that bottle back up before we get out of here, man. My bro, Vegas, twenty one vodka, man. Coming to y'all soon. It's out there in Vegas already. You can get it out there. I mean, this stuff here is the best, man, man. Like, we don't know. We need to test that to agree with you. I'm gonna try so, to get. So here, here's my question: Is that just is that just available and just is that regular vodka or, or are there different five flavors? Uh, we got citrus, our apple, pomegranate, peach, mm, pomegranate, like the regular regular vodka. You know, distilled five times, premium. You know. No headache, no nauseousness, you know, but it'll hit you. It will hit you if you drink a lot. But I got a buddy of mine that's in Vegas right now for a bowling tournament. I'm going to ask him to see if he can pull some yeah, of that. It, it, it's, it's a couple of stores out there. I can't tell you off the top of my head because my bro, you know, that made it, you know, he knows all that. But uh, it's out there. It's in, like, liquor stores. Hold it up again. And, uh, you know, and if you're a gambler, this is your, this is your, 
This is your vodka on the back. We got playing cards. So this is oh, you know, oh wow. you at the card table at the casino, and you playing twenty one. Make sure you got you some twenty one. Right? Oh, blackjack. But you know what? Like I do this party thing, and I do a lot of parties for people that are turning twenty one. So that would be a nice little situation there. Twenty twenty one in the year twenty twenty one. So we'll talk about that, my queen. We'll we'll, we'll see. Twenty twenty one. Oh, that's probably crazy. Oh, you yeah. talk about the year. Oh my goodness, that's probably terrible. The year and then the blackjack and then I mean, right. yeah, it could be a lot going on. Is there any chance? That, is there any chance that that's going to be available on the East Coast anytime? Well. Again, because of COVID, you know, everything. It's a delay. You know what I mean? But we'll see by summer. Hopefully, you know, I'm working on distribution and trying to get it in a couple of states here. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to do y'all. Get down these parts. Just slide me a little message in the inbox and say 21 is here. I know exactly what you're talking well, about. Well, that's the goal. He wants it all over in the national. That should be the business goal, right? So, it's if just going to take a second. If you guys know any stores that, uh, hey, let me know. You know what? We can't go to the store. You know? Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> we can't go to the store. You don't oh. have no liquor in your orange juice today. Apparently, you can't. That's the first. I just feel like going to the store. <laughs> Not that I couldn't go. I just didn't feel like it. I got two stores I can walk to. Okay. <laughs> if I had to, I just didn't feel like going out and all of that cold, man. Me and the cold weather, we don't, you know, yeah, we don't vibe well. Triple OG, man, let everybody know how they can find you, social media, YouTube, all that stuff, man. I would just say go to at Triple OG Don Figure. Triple, you know, Triple OG Don D O N F I A. Because on there, get to the link. But uh, on the YouTube, I couldn't even tell you. You you could type in Don Figure YouTube and you know video yeah, stuff popping up with just Don Figure. And then on Facebook, type in Don Figure and capital letters. And to my like page, you know, you can go in there, see some of my files and you know different stuff that I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, we going to dig in. We about to have some fun. And we gotta, we I need you to talk to my boy DJ E man because I'm telling you stuff. But that brother there, man, he got some man, you know. So I want to connect you with him, DJ E man, uh, one day when I'm at the studio. So you guys can see the studio and interview him because this brother, man, and he's from Puerto Rico, he's Puerto Rican, and that's another uh, part of hip hop. Story that's not told a lot is about how all my Latin right. brothers, you know, uh, paid contributed to the hip hop culture. And DJ mm -hmm. E Man is one of them, man. Who I mean, for me, is like I, I'm so like uh, in debt to because he gave me a shot that nobody else did. And you know, he believed in me when nobody else would, and his history. Is, is is you know worth worth talking about you know i heard of him from uh pop rap yep yeah, he uh -huh. and uh he that brother there he he got he did a lot in this game you know and i think you know he's he's worth talking to so yeah. 
We'll make that happen because a lot of people think that that didn't start until Big Pun and Fat Joe got into hip hop. And there's mm-hmm. a, exactly. a little bit of history before those dudes came out. So right. he's not a rapper, but he's a DJ and a producer. And he's been here since 78, 79, you know. Okay. So yeah, we'll definitely make that happen, man. Hey, bro, I enjoy these. I, I love hearing these stories, man. Thank you, bro. I, really- I, I, I love hearing this this kind of you know journey through through hip hop and, and music, man. I appreciate you taking some time to hang out with us tonight, bro. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me, man. Thank you so much, man. Much Absolutely. love. I love you guys. And Nina, Nina, Nina wasn't too bad, was she? She was okay. I was really like listening, like absorbing. Yeah, because you earned your OG. You, you definitely I, earned the OGness of it all. But this is the crazy part. But but this is the crazy part, Nina. He probably could talk for another two or three hours if we had right. the time to, because right. he just got so much, you know. And, and, but that's right. that's the kind of stuff that I love. I love when you can when you can ask a question and then just sit back. Yeah, and right. just, You know, I, and, I thought of that. I'm like, he's kind of easy to interview because yeah. he could just. Yeah. We don't have to question him to yeah. pull it out. Yeah, he's got stories for days. Yeah, and that's. Hi, right, Anton. If you want me to come back and do, you know, talk some more about some other topics, anytime, bro. You know what I mean? I'm here, and hopefully, I get to interview you guys when this thing clears up a little bit. Maybe hey, talk to the studio and Mad Lab and hang out with us, man, and we can have a blast there. We'll drink some 21. <laughs> you won't get no interview from me after I drink that 21. <laughs> but. I drink it now. Hey, bro, I drink you it. Nina drinking and you interview her. That's going to be all. I'm going to walk off. I'm in the interview. Just walked off and start doing something. That's a whole nother situation. <laughs> but I'm down for whatever. I'm down for yeah. whatever. Well, that would be dope. We can definitely talk about that when all of this stuff clears up, man. For sure, man. No doubt. No, no. Appreciate you. you, man. Give it up for my man, Triple OG. I Thank will you. not give it up. Because we did not do that the way I do that. Keep forgetting. Triple OG, can you hear me? What we do. Shout out to the whole team. Hold on, Triple. Hold on, OG. Hold on, OG. Well, his might have went before mine because he was still. Okay, okay. Triple OG, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Come a little closer. That's how you did us today. (laughs) On behalf of Access Granite. Me and Mr. Antoine, we thank you for granting us access. My man. Very much. Have a good one, bro. God bless you guys. See you. Peace and love. I'll be in touch. Yes, ma'am. See ya. I'm sure he could have he could have did this for like another two hours, man. For he real. got that much. He got that yeah. much. He's seen a lot. Yeah, he has seen a lot. And I just I was, be, and you know what my good question is that I'd be forgetting to ask. What's that? Is once you realize you're making some money, like what do you do? Like once I, I somebody send me this check or this offer letter that's saying we're gonna pay you six million dollars. Oh, he's still there. <laughs> so at what point when you realize <laughs> hold on. I, we're back. <laughs> like when you were doing your thing when you first started off, then you ran into that money situation where you saw that you were about to make some good money. What was your mindset? What did you buy? What you wild out on? I never had that. Uh, how can I say? I didn't have that opportunity to get the big money 
but the money that I did get, I just used it to invest back into what I was doing. Mm. So, you know, I was selling my CDs and I was traveling a lot. So that's how I got bus tickets. That's how I got, you know, hotel rooms and, you know, like clothes, of course, and a little extracurricular that I shouldn't have been doing, of course, mm. you know, for a minute. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, but uh, mostly I just invested back in what I was doing and just. Good answer. Some people need to hear that answer. Yeah. He didn't get the rap starter kit, the chain, the watch, the bracelet, you know. The car. The house, the bitches, excuse my language. Back in the 80s, you wore jewelry and all that. But it's like, I didn't I didn't have that desire. Like I didn't feel like I needed to have all that to say, this is who I am. This is who I am, yeah. It came from an era where you just had to be you, you know? And if your game was tight. That's what it is. You had a tight so, game. You could pull them with nothing. I could pull <laughs> 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 like you can ride this train with me. What y'all call it? The sniper? What is it called? The snapper? Scepter, woman. Scepter. Yeah, that. You gonna South, sit right here with me? We gonna ride East, off Southeast Pennsylvania Transit Authority. Right. Yeah. That's, you know I mean? That's what it was. You know. Scepter. I don't. I don't I have no chains and whatever. But I just don't feel like I gotta go spend a million dollars on jewelry. All that and be like, yo, because then I would be phony, you know what I'm saying? I never did that. That's real. Like, so why I'm 54, I'm gonna be 55 in two weeks. What do I look like now with a neck full of jewelry? I might get some gold teeth because I used to have gold teeth back in the day, and I love that. And you know, I get a couple small little pieces, but I'm not gonna get truck jewelry and all that. Like, it don't make sense. And I'm not knocking nobody that does it. It just Right. That's just not your style. You don't need that to upgrade yourself. You are the product. They might put me in the same asylum. Like, what's wrong with this dude? (laughs) Like, but shout out to brothers like Slick Rick. That's why I respect Slick because Slick Rick is almost my age, but he's doing what he's always done. Yeah. When you see that, I can respect it because he's always done that. And ain't near nobody ever try to snatch his jewelry. Yeah. I feel yeah. like you gotta. I feel like you gotta go to the gym and work out before you even try to put on one of Slick Rick, Slick Rick's chains because yeah. they just. <laughs> to hold your head, you know. it's, just like, yeah. it's like this. It's like putting this on your neck. If this is. Oh boy! Here we go. <laughs> um, here we go. No, that wasn't a Ravens reference. That was a reference to how big his chains are. Yeah, Nina. <laughs> Well, look, guys, I love you guys, man. Yeah, man. Hey, appreciate you, bro. We ain't going to get off this live, man. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm an old man, so now I got to go do the old man stuff. My man. What's that? Go to bed? Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I love, I love the fact that I can do that now. Yeah. Because I couldn't do that. Yeah. I was running all the time. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> Nina. Nina. Mm. So happy. That I can get in the bed with pillows and just lay down and blankets, blankets, <laughs> and I can sleep for more than six hours. Like luxury. I would never. I don't even get six hours of sleep, so I can't relate to that. But anyway, I yeah, man, I right. I just wanted to bring you back to answer that question since you were still in the green room, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you, Queen. Thanks everybody for tuning in, man. That was that was fun. That dude, hey, oh my gosh.
another three hours easily. But um, he's like a room. Like I would put him in a room. He's a panel. Yes. Yeah. Right. right. I would give him students so you could just exactly. and people that want to know this stuff so they can fall in that same mood that you went into. You look like you was in New York on the basketball court listening to the speakers outside. Because so, because he. First of all, you can see the passion and the energy that he has. So he definitely enjoyed it. So when you when you hear some when you hear those kind of stories, it makes you think about other stories that you hear, especially about the history of hip hop when they literally used to bring the sound system out to the basketball court and plug it into the lampposts and like literally. I wondered I, about that, like how they plugged it in. So they it was some way to plug it in outside. Yeah, so so he said that they had, you know, some people that literally ran extension cords from out of their project yeah. windows. But then some of the places also had lights for the basketball courts. Mm. And there was a little thing that you could screw off and you could plug into the electricity coming from the basketball, you know, the lights for the basketball court. So, of course, now, you know, I wouldn't even feel safe doing that these days. So, What, speakers? No, no, being out in that environment. In New York or a outside environment? Outside. Okay. Yeah, we do that now. Too much going on. Just 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 are you crying? No, I'm wearing my mask. Uh oh, all of that part. <laughs> yeah, okay. all of that stuff. So great show. Great, 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 show. great show. And he great answered story. the question because I was like, who are you? So he started <laughs> and ended it correctly. Now yeah. I know who he is. And I feel like he only knows a half. So exactly. we might so we might have to get him back sometime down the road to get the, the, the other half. Maybe but, that'll um, be here when he comes through. I wouldn't mind taking that trip, honestly. I, I wouldn't mind taking that trip. I don't know if I want to take it with you. But I definitely wouldn't mind taking a trip. Why wouldn't you take a trip with me? You would see it differently. Like, you got the culture part, but I got the adventure part. But yeah, yeah, mm, never mind. No trips. I, got the, I don't know what this ninja going to do. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. No, you got the, where did she go? <laughs> <laughs> she was right here. Where did she go? <laughs> That's me. I dip off on you. Let me see something I think is sparkling. Oh. Thank you, you can just stay over here with your hip hop and your basketball. I just went that way. Where is she? Something is happening, Twan. But, it's um, Black History Month. It's Valentine's Day. Something else happens in February that I can't remember what it is. Is it your birthday? August, baby. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. When you think about know. it, let me know. Thank you, Miss Tina. Shout out to Miss Tina. She said that was a great interview. That's my. That's my that's my heart right there, Miss Miss Tina. Tina and Richard Coleman, one of the greatest married couples you okay. ever. Okay, Richard Coleman is the king. King is that the one y'all call King? Somebody? That's Junior. That's Junior. Okay. Tina is his mom. I can't see any comments or you know anything because I'm not the hi y'all. And then there's Big Richard. <laughs> yeah, I will have to go back and, and watch it and see what their comments are. But yeah. but know that I do do that, everyone, even though I can't interact during the show. Because yeah, Juan got all the controls over and there. And I can barely do it because I can barely see it. So unless I have my reading glasses on, glasses I, on. and then if I put my reading glasses on, y'all will be blurry. So uh, I catch what I can. But shout out to Linda Covington. She also checked in. Oh, Auntie Linda. Party Linda. So yeah, man. Again, um, 
Rest in peace to my man, Frankie Duckett. You will be missed, bro. Rest, Rest in peace, Tyson. You know, y'all stay safe and stay warm in the snow. Um, I am going to have to make a run to the store for real. What? <laughs> so you are? Probably tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to. I think I'm calling out for tomorrow. So I'm surprised that you didn't know that we were getting a second round. I don't understand the stupid weather on my phone. I try to stay in character when we're on here. So I'm going to try to. Eh. But the weather is never what the weather is when I look at it on my phone. And it changes a lot. But that's also because the weather changes a lot. But I got like an additional one inch tomorrow and then a, an additional one inch tomorrow night. So when you say what you said, I ain't doing none of that. Well, you know, the, the weather on cricket phones is a little different than. Did you say cricket phones? I have a cricket phone or you did? <laughs> you I don't have a cricket phone, so um, you you don't allow me to, to plug stuff unless they pay advertisement. But just know my $45 plan a month runs three businesses uninterrupted until it's time to go live. What is that? A phone or a remote control? This is a remote control to a back massager that has been feeling great through this entire interview. Oh, yeah, I need yes. one of them, too. Shouts out to Anita Maureen, but, my um, personal masseuse. We are back next Monday. Do another Monday and see what happens. Where we going to be back from? Look, we got to be available when the people are available. And this guy is touching down all the way from Seattle, Washington. So we got to show that brother some love. What, do you remember what his name is? And it's all Joe's fault. Look on your calendar. And it's all Joe's fault for putting me in this clubhouse. And now I'm meeting people from all over the world. And you think you got to interview everybody you meet. In a minute, no, we're going to no, have five interviews a month. I've, five I've turned, interviews a week. I've, I've turned down like six of them so far. So You have? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I don't do ratchet. We don't, we don't do ratchet on the Access Grant. We don't? No, nah, we don't do ratchet. You're about as ratchet as I'm going to allow up here, Nina. <laughs> I don't think I have any ratchet associated with my brand at all. No, you don't. You don't. I don't. Now, I might be in some ratchet pace places with some ratchet people, but I'm like the referee. I'm kind of solid and consistent and exuberating my class factor. Okay. And on that note, since we are still live and I'm ready to go. <laughs> ready I love you to let the store I love the shirt. I'm going to steal it the next time I'm at your house. So just when it disappears, just know. Okay, we'll try to make that happen for you. Not only am I going to steal it, but I'm going to steal it, take a picture of me in it, and then post like it. Like I did. Right. As long as it's not a picture of the toilet flushing, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Be ashamed I haven't done that in a long time. I owe you. Right. Be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> But again, man, thanks to everybody that tuned in with us on Facebook and YouTube, man. It was a pleasure, Nina, hanging out with you again. Check your calendar. Check your email because I do have some information coming to you. Everybody stay safe, man. Wear your damn mask. All of that good stuff. we see you guys next week on Access Granted. Nino! Click. <laughs>